Hi there, thanks for tuning in. I know that many of you are knee-deep in the holiday season, which is always a mix of excitement and stress. Every year I do a holiday Q&A episode where I take questions from listeners. And this episode definitely has some themes that come out, including compromise, flexibility, and finding your why during the holiday season. Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Happy holidays. I look forward to doing this holiday Q&A episode every year because I feel like it's a time when many, many listeners have questions. And you didn't disappoint this year. I asked for questions and I got way more than I bargained for. So I'm going to take as many as I can. This is the last episode for 2022. So I want to pause and say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. It's been a big year of change for me. One of the biggest changes being that I have mostly phased out my presence on social media, especially on Instagram and Facebook. Not completely, but I would say probably by like 95%. And it's been really peaceful. I started out 2022 with a New Year's episode, which was called a fire hose, which now looking back was a bit of a premonition about the year to come. Because I started 2022 off feeling like there was a fire hose of information coming at me all the time. And I started out the year reflecting on how I was contributing to that fire hose of information that was inundating all of us. The parent education market is saturated with so many different voices, a lot of really amazing, wonderful voices, some that sync up and jive with my voice, some that don't. It's always important to have different perspectives. But I know as a listener and as a consumer, it can be a lot to balance all those different voices and all those different perspectives. So for me, that's looked like streamlining the way that I reach out to you by just focusing on the podcast. So I have phased out this year running online programs, which was a big part of the way that I spent my time and a big part of the way that I connected with you all. And instead, I have refocused a lot of my time on -on one-on-one in-person work. Being online for so long, especially in the pandemic, has made me really appreciate seeing people and looking them in the eyes again. I have found that very fulfilling at this point in my life, and I'm really enjoying it. And I am grateful, ever so grateful, that I continue to have sponsors who make this show possible. Because as I'm leaning in and doing more in-person work, I've been able to hire Negan, my podcast manager, who really helps to keep this show afloat. Negan started in March, and she has been my right-hand woman on all the editing, the producing, the ideas, and really given me some company in what can be kind of a lonely business. So I'm ever so grateful for her this year for coming in and helping to support me on the podcast so that I can reallocate some of my time seeing in-person clients, which really does light me up. 
All right, without further ado, let's get into the holiday questions that you all sent in. The first question comes from Joanna. Now, before I read this question, I have to laugh because this year I received so many questions that included the word Scrooge, and Joanna's is one of them. So if you're feeling a little bit like a Scrooge this year, know that you're in good company. All right, here it is. Hi, Danae. I have three kids, ages five, three, and one. Every year we host my mom, her husband, and my aunt at our home for Christmas, which is way better than flying our clan across the country to do Christmas in my home state. However, I find hosting to be extraordinarily stressful. I'm an introvert, and in this season of young children, I'm already at my max peopling on a daily basis. Usually I can have some quiet alone time after the kids are in bed, but when family is visiting, I feel pressured, and I also want to have adult time. It's hard to have grown-up conversations when the kids are around and awake. I do love my family, and I'm glad they spend Christmas with us, but sometimes I dread it. How can I feel like less of a Scrooge? So Joanna, in your question, I saw so much insight. You recognize that you're an introvert, and that means you recharge alone, right? Extroverts recharge in the company of others. So when you're feeling depleted, the way that you replete, I'm not even sure if that's a word, is to spend downtime by yourself. So you know what you need, right? And by saying that you feel like a Scrooge means you're not really accepting this part of you and who you are, and you're judging it. So first I think you need to pause and to do a little self-talk. You're an introvert, that's not a bad thing. It's part of who you are. When we can accept these parts of us, maybe parts of us that we feel like are less desirable or less adaptable, we can stop feeling so guilty about it and then start feeling like we can actually step up and ask for what we need. And it might not be that you need to cancel your family's trip or stop doing these trips. Maybe it means you just need to go to bed at seven o'clock or you need to step away every other night. You need to feel empowered to find a way to make these visits work that doesn't mean all or nothing, somewhere in the middle, the balance that works for you. I do think that most grown adults would be comfortable with this conversation if you were to approach your family by saying, hey, this is what I've noticed in past years during our visits. I really, really want you to keep coming. But I also know that I might be at my best if sometimes I go to bed a little early, especially when I'm feeling exhausted and I need to recharge my batteries. So If I do head out early and don't participate in all the conversations, please don't take it personal. I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to be my best so I can enjoy you. I do wonder if some of this dread or this anticipatory guilt that you deal with is around the fact that you feel like it's wrong to feel like this. You feel like a Scrooge. You're not a Scrooge. You're an introvert. It's okay. If you can own it and accept it, I can imagine that your family is going to do the same. All right. Next question comes from Sarah. She said, hi, Danae. I love your podcast. I'd love to hear any advice you have for teaching kids that more toys, clothes, stuffed animals, candy, TV, etc., will not make them happy. When they ask for more, I tell them they have enough and to appreciate what they have. I do give them more of things they can run out of like art supplies. I try to model it myself by being very conscious of purchases and letting them see me donating. But I fear as they get older and want to keep up with the Joneses in our materialistic culture. Basically, how do I teach them to value what they have and that possessions are not the key to happiness? 
They're only seven, five, and one, and I understand that much of this is developmental, but I want to plant the seeds now and hope to raise conscious consumers who value quality, not quantity. This is a great question, Sarah, and I know something that so many of us wonder. We talked a little bit about this in my episode on appropriate toys, which was simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 332. We also talked about this a little bit back in episode 234, simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 234, when we talked about comparison, envy, and FOMO. So go back and listen to those two episodes. I hope that that will be helpful. But what I want to say is that you are doing this. You are raising conscious consumers. You are planting these seeds now. You just might not reap the fruits of your labor until they're much older. They're going to go through a materialistic phase, maybe a very long materialistic phase. But you are absolutely on the right track. This isn't something that we directly teach to our kids. It's not like we're going to sit down with our kids and say, okay, candy does not make you happy because A, B, and C. And then they nod and smile and say, okay, I got it. I don't want candy anymore, right? It doesn't work like that. They learn through experience. They learn through modeling, watching you. And as their own brains develop, it will be a roller coaster. And there will be times when they want all the stuff and they want more and more and more. And it seems like your lessons, whether covert or overt, seem to be falling to the wayside. But trust in the process. You are on the right track. All right. Next question from Mary, who says, hi, my in-laws live out of state. My mother-in-law has a rare form of cancer, which initially looked worse than it has been so far in terms of life expectancy. Now she's doing well and is on long-term medication. However, we did get into the habit of prioritizing time with them over alone time as a family or time with my family. And now they stay with us for a week each Christmas, including being here on Christmas morning. I'm feeling like they're encroaching a bit on our precious years with my son. Any tips on setting boundaries now? considering where she is now with her illness and health-wise. Mary, I think that you need to do what works best for your family. Of course, now we're talking about this mid-December. It is too late to make any changes to plans. But if you do want to do something different next year, maybe you plant that seed this year and say, hey, next year we're going to be spending Christmas with my family, or next year we're going to take a family vacation, just the three of us. Starting early to let them know, that you'd like to make some changes. But I also invite you to step back and take a look at your why. Why do you feel like they're encroaching? Why is it uncomfortable to have them around during this time of the year? Is it the length of their visit? Could you start to make it shorter so it doesn't feel so overwhelming? Is there something that they're doing during the times there that are making you particularly uncomfortable that maybe you need to address? Or as in the question we took previous in this episode, Are you an introvert and you just need a little bit more downtime alone or with your direct immediate family in order to feel recharged? So ask yourself your why. See if there are any other alternatives. You don't have to eliminate these trips altogether. Could you cut back on them? Could you change the way that they look? Maybe start alternating years? I would imagine that these visits are very, very special to your in-laws and maybe even to your partner. So keeping that in mind too. It doesn't have to be win or lose or one person gets their way or the other person gets their way. It's often possible to meet in the middle and compromise. Compromise is such an interesting word. It means nobody really gets what they want. It means everybody gives a little. 
and comes to a neutral agreement or understanding in the middle. I find myself teaching a lot of tween age kids about compromise because it is a more abstract idea. It's not so concrete. And the example I always give is, let's say you and your sister both want a pet, but you really want a cat because it's so soft and cuddly. And she really wants a dog because it's playful. So instead, you get a guinea pig because it's soft, cuddly, and playful. Did anyone get what they want? Well, not exactly. You compromised. And sometimes compromise is a little disappointing, but often we can find some joy in that too. We're going to pause for a two-minute word from today's sponsors. When it comes to personal hygiene, who has the time to read the long list of ingredients on the back of the bottle? Sometimes I can't even pronounce them. Most of the times I can't even pronounce them. But if you're like me and you care about what goes on your body, then it's probably time to try Native's personal care products. You may know Native from their aluminum-free deodorant. I've been using it for years and absolutely love it. Native has a scent for everyone. You can try their limited edition cabin collection of warm cider and cinnamon, cashmere and rain, wildwood and cardamom, or my personal favorite, toasted marshmallow and vanilla. My husband and I started using Native when we lived in Texas, and if it works in Texas, it can work anywhere because it is hot in Texas. So smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. Get 20% off your first order by going to nativedo.com families or use the promo code families at checkout. That's nativedeo.com slash families or use the promo code families at checkout for 20% off your first order. Our second and final sponsor for today is Seed. Not all probiotics are created equal, and I spend far too much time figuring out what the quote-unquote right one would be for my family. Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. It's a broad spectrum, two-in-one, probiotic and prebiotic. If you've taken a probiotic before and you never felt a difference, it's likely because the good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract. But Seed is designed differently, and that's why it works. There's a capsule in capsule design, which means there's a little capsule inside of a bigger capsule. That protects against stomach acid, digestive enzymes, and bile salts. So those capsules make it all the way through digestion for delivery into the colon. And as an added bonus, each month, the delivery is designed sustainably with some of the coolest packing materials that I've ever seen. Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com forward slash simple and use the code simple to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com forward slash simple and use the code simple. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back to my questions for today. All right, next question from Jill. Family game nights. I'm wondering what your top games are that you recommend. My kids are six and three, games that they can grow into as well. I looked at a previous podcast two years ago on presents to buy, but would like more on board slash memory or family games. Thanks for your time. In all honesty, we don't really play a lot of board games together. I would love to play board games together, but it's not something that we've ever really been able to settle into and enjoy. I do wonder if maybe as my kids get older, we'll find more of a group for this. But playing board games is highly complex. Everybody has to agree on a game. You have to sit down. You have to take turns. You have to accept defeat. You have to win gracefully. You have to all really be interested in continuing to play the game and finish it together. And if you've got a lot of different personalities and interests, it can feel a lot more like work 
than it does enjoyable family time. And for us, it has felt a lot more like work, especially at this stage up until this point. Maybe that will change in the future. But when we're spending family time together, we're much more likely to do it successfully and enjoy each other's company when we're doing something active or when we're watching a movie together. A lot less things to negotiate in that, aside from picking the movie at the beginning. But would I like to play more board games as a family? Yes. But we just really don't spend much time doing that now. We do like to play charades together. And I think one of the reasons that charades is fun is because it's active We get to move around a lot. We're not sitting at a table together. And because there's not necessarily a set endpoint with charades, you can play as long as you're having fun and then you can stop. And for different attention spans, that can be really helpful. There are some fun family charade games. So take a look at those. I also like shorter games like bingo. We have a couple different versions. We have Loteria, a version we got in Mexico. We have Ocean Bingo, but... That's really fun because you can, again, play for a short time or a long time, depending on what the interest level is. Maybe you don't have a family who sits down and plays Monopoly for four hours. And that's okay. I don't have a family that does that either. If you do, that's great too. All right, next question from Alex. I'm about three years into my decluttering journey and I've hit a big roadblock. How do I kindly, tactfully, gracefully get my husband on board? My efforts at decluttering so far have been focused on myself and the kids, and I've made good progress on getting rid of extra things that we owned. The problem is that the garage is still completely out of control, and for some reason, the garage feels like my husband's territory because it's full of tools and other things that are his. How can I make headway with the areas and things that don't belong to me? I can't walk into the garage without tripping on something, and it's frustrating. This is a great question. So I think I would start with not necessarily telling your husband to clean it up or shaming him about not cleaning it up or not decluttering, but maybe try to understand if he would like to see change in this area too. Because if you're tripping over things every time you walk into the garage, chances are he also is. And maybe he wants to see change in there too. He's just not exactly sure what the next best step is. Maybe he's overwhelmed at the idea of making this change. Or maybe he's like me and overwhelmed about making the change and sticking with the change because that's always been hard for me when it comes to decluttering. So I think if you can try to get at the the why, maybe you and he actually have the same goals and he would also like it to be better, cleaner, tidier, whatever words you want to use, but he's struggling to get started. So I would get curious. That's where I would start. All right, next question from Kendra. He said, hello, my question is, what do we do with toys our children are gifted that don't align with our values or we flat out don't like? I'm thinking of anything poop related, like unicorns that poop, poop emoji pillows, but it could be other things we generally don't use, like slime. Thanks, and I love your podcast. Well, thank you, Kendra. I appreciate it. All right, so Kendra, what do you have against poop? Um, No, I'm just kidding. I think the easy answer to this question is you could donate them or pass them along to another family, someone that would appreciate these things. But I also think it would be helpful to ask yourself if you might be a little bit rigid about this. I don't hate to use the word rigid, sorry. Um, I find that it's easy for us as adults to point out when our kids are being rigid and they're being inflexible, but sometimes we can be really rigid and inflexible. At least I know I can. So I think that would be my recommendation is to pause and to assess, 
Are you being rigid about something that you can be a little bit more flexible on? Are these values and beliefs really, truly important to you and worth holding on to? And if so, then I think it's worth relaying that to your kids. But maybe you realize you're not going to fight the poop emoji. And maybe your kids think it's funny and you're going to find a way to live with it for a period of time. And that's okay too. So yeah, on this one, ask yourself your why again. Why does this bother you so much? Why is this so important to you? Is this something that maybe you could be a little bit more flexible about? Maybe, maybe not. All right, next question comes from Antonia. Antonia said, Hi, Danae. I always get a little stressed at Christmas because I don't want to be the family whose children get so many gifts that they throw it over their shoulder without really looking at the gift to get to the next. I'm always tempted to buy too much because the children get so excited about Christmas and it's always such a wait for the next Christmas. I have to say that there's a little fear of disappointment. My children are six, four, and two, and really it is only the six-year-old who started asking for specific things this year. Every year I have to be very careful because if you go overboard one year, they'll expect it the next, etc. They have cousins who get copious amounts of presents, so I think as they get older, I also fear that comparison. I guess maybe some ideas for making it magical without all the gifts so that they don't feel as though they're missing out. I guess some things may seem a lot more special in children's eyes than they do for adults. Maybe the missing out bit actually comes from me rather than the children. I love it when people answer their own question in the question, which you have done here, Antonia. Um, And reading your question, that was my exact thought that this FOMO, the fear of missing out, it starts with us as the adults. We first get the FOMO and then our kids get the FOMO. Now, some kids get the FOMO when we don't have the FOMO. That's possible too. But often it starts deep within us from the early, earliest days of parenthood when we're worried that we're not enough for our kids. We're not giving them enough opportunities. We're not giving them enough toys, enough attention, enough presence. And then we're going to miss out on the opportunities to do that. So I think this starts with conviction. When you have that conviction that you are enough and the life that you're giving your children is enough, then it will be enough. Will your kids complain from time to time that it's not enough? Yes. That's part of their work as they grow is understanding what they need and how what they need and what they have is going to be different from every other single person on this planet. And that's okay. And getting to that place is going to be a journey. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a roller coaster. There is going to be discontentment before there is contentment. Rarely is a child born content and stays content their whole life. And as parents, if we can learn to sit with some of that discontentment, then our kids are watching us and they'll be able to sit with that too. But it is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to see our kids go through comparison, to see them experience envy, especially if we have the resources to make that envy go away, which would look like buying all the things so they don't have to wish for and want for the things. So yeah, take a look at your why and your conviction and remind yourself of why you've made the choices that you've made. And know that envy and comparison and FOMO are going to be part of the journey as your kids grow. And either you can try to outrun it and buy your way out of it, or you can model and show them how to sit with it and be okay with it. All right, my last question here comes from Aspen. Hi, Danae. This season has thrown me for a loop. We've been sick and so many friends and family have been here visiting. What are some of your best suggestions for gifts for people who have everything or buy most things when they want them? I'm not super keen on what's on my children's wish list either. I feel like it's a lot of plastic that won't be used much after the initial excitement wanes. 
We're on a focused budget this year, and we often do edible gifts because they're consumed and don't take up space. I'm interested to hear additional suggestions. Best, Aspen. Aspen, I think you're doing pretty well already. Um, The edible gifts is a great idea. If you're gifting for other adults, it does get complicated. There are a lot of great websites that are selling beautiful houseplants, which you can buy them already in a nice vase and have them delivered safely. One year we did buy my in-laws a Meyer lemon tree, which was kind of fun. But that's an idea for giving something that lives or hopefully lives. If you're in my house, it might not live, Um, but they have plants that are very easy to take care of. So I'm told. Bloomscape is one of these websites. The Sill, S-I-L-L, that's another one. I haven't bought from these companies personally, but I have perused the websites and and wish that they came with a human to do the watering or some kind of self-watering system because it's not my strong suit. Something else random that I was thinking about gifting this year is good pillows, which is something I was planning on buying my parents. We love our Coop pillows, C-O-O-P. It's one of those things I never really appreciated until I had them. So random, yes, new pillows, but that's something I've really been appreciating lately. I used to do gift guides in the past for Simple Families, and I did not this year. I didn't have a lot of things that I wanted to add to the list, so I didn't put that together. I actually haven't bought any Christmas gifts myself yet. I did order a couple things for my kids. Okay, I lied. Um, I ordered my kids some things and put them in my husband's closet, and they found them. And of course, I told them those were gifts for other kids who don't get Christmas gifts. So now I need to donate those gifts. It was just a couple small things and start from scratch. So yeah, I pretty much haven't bought anything at all yet. And I don't feel stressed about it. It is December 12th at the time of this recording, mostly because over the years, I have really truly felt or began to feel more and more like spending time together is the gift of Christmas. Doing something together, passing the time together is my favorite part. And I know that the more that I gift, especially to my kids, the more that that's going to become the favorite part. So we've never done a lot of gifts. And gifting, in turn, hasn't overwhelmed us. So it doesn't feel like a stressful thing. Now, that's not to say that if you have been an overgifter in the past, that you can't make changes and change priorities of your family, because you for sure can. But it's going to be gradual, and it's going to take some time. So don't rush it. The same goes for those of you who have grandparents or other gift givers who like to inundate your kids with gifts. As you're making changes and you're cutting back and you're becoming more intentional about the things that you fill your home with, understand that that process is slow for everybody. And that's okay. If you get gifted something that makes you cringe this year, try not to get upset, try not to get angry, and remember that we're all a work in progress. If you find yourself really wanting to make this season magical for your kids, take a deep breath and know that it already is magical. You don't have to put in loads and loads of time and energy for it to be magical. And maybe you're like me, where you're not super pressed to make the holidays magical. And in return, you can bank that energy that you've saved and show up as your best self all the other days of the year, or most of the other days of the year, that is. I want to wish you a very happy holiday season. Be taking some time off over the holidays, and I will talk with you in the new year. Thanks for tuning in.